And man, I, I, this month of June has been such a joy as we've been focusing on the Word of God that we just don't need to shake hands with the Word of God, but we need to embrace the Word of God. When I was finishing up at the West Campus this morning, and we had an interesting morning. The, the power went out twice on us this morning at the West Campus, so it was quite interesting. Uh, Jason, our student pastor, was leading worship and did a beautiful job leading right through the power going on and off and projectors going on and off and sound going all over the place. But Jason did a, a phenomenal job. But when we got done at the West Campus, a lady came up to me and she said, Pastor Eric, she said, I just want to say thank you. She said, you gave us a challenge several weeks ago. For the next seven days, read your Bible every day. She said that was at the beginning of the month of June, and she, she said, I want you to know I've read my Bible every single day, and she said, I cannot tell you the difference it's making in my life. I want to remind you, the Bible, it is living, it is active, it will transform our life. I believe that's what we're seeing at First Baptist. We are, we are in the midst of seeing God do an incredible work. Every Sunday morning, we're seeing people get saved. We're seeing God add to our church family. We're, we've been baptizing almost every Sunday. We've got several to baptize this morning. We're going to celebrate with on Tuesday uh, morning, Pastor Jay was asked by FCA, uh, come and share the gospel with our local high school football team. So Tuesday morning, Jay went, Pastor Jay, our Connections pastor, he went and shared the gospel for a high school football team. And I've got great news for you. 15 of those high school football players Tuesday got saved. So we celebrate that. Praise God for FCA and all that they're doing, and praise God that we get to partner with them. You might not know this, but all of the FCA offices for Volusia County are right here in our building. That's just something we do that we reach out that we can be a minister, that all of their offices, headquarters are here, so that's a blessing. But not only did 15 players get saved, but I got good news for you. There was also one coach that got saved Tuesday. So... 15 players and one coach got saved, and we thank the Lord for that. And what is that? It is the power of the gospel of Christ. Whatever you do, don't doubt the power of the gospel. The gospel is strong enough and great enough to save anybody at any time from anything. That was Tuesday, Wednesday night. What an incredible night our students had. Our students had worship on the beach uh, kind of in between all of the thunder and lightning uh, Wednesday night. But they had a huge crowd of students Wednesday night. But a part of what they were doing, they were baptizing in the ocean. And one of the young men that they baptized, his name is Nathan. He is probably one of the top premier athletes in Volusia County that just got saved and he just said, you know what, I want the world to know that I have trusted Jesus Christ. So Wednesday night, Pastor Jason and those guys baptized him Wednesday night. So can we give God a big hand for that? We, man, it's an exciting, it is really an exciting time to see God uh, transform so many lives. 
the Word of God. It will not come back what? Void. So let me ask you a question. Do you like the Bible? All right, if you like the Bible, raise your hand. Like the Bible? Good. Good, good. How many of you would say, you know what, Pastor Eric, I, re- I like to study the Bible. I like to study the Bible. Let's take it a step farther today. It's one thing to like the Bible. It's even one thing to say, I enjoy studying. But it's another thing to come underneath the authority of the Bible. I've met a lot of people that would say, I like the stories of the Bible. I like the history of the Bible. I like the information of the Bible. Some say, I like studying it because, man, the the wealth of knowledge that you can learn from it. But it's one thing to like it and study it and shake hands with it, but it's a totally different thing to say, I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to place myself under the authority of the Word of God. So may I ask you the question? Here's the question we're going to answer today. Whose authority do you live under? All of us in this room live under some authority. Some of you live under your own authority that you're setting your own what's right and wrong. You're setting what you can and cannot do. Or you're living under the authority of our nation. All of us are living under authority. The question is, what is your authority? Well, I want you to do this hour I want you to challenge yourself and ask this hard question. Am I living underneath the authority of God's Word? It's just not that I like it. It's just not that I study it. But I am placing my dreams. I am placing my behavior. I'm placing my language. I'm placing my actions. And I'm placing everything underneath the authority of God's Word. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever met somebody, they knew what was right in the Bible, but they didn't want to do it? Several years ago, um, I was in a situation meeting with somebody, and they had an issue in their life, and I sat down with them, and I said, can I, I want to show you in the Scripture what you're doing is not right. I believe that we place ourselves underneath the authority of God's Word. I believe God wrote one book. I believe it's absolutely perfect. I believe it's God-breathed, God-given to us. And I believe we don't change the Bible to match us. We pray that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God will move us, that we will match it. But in this counseling time, I said, what you're doing is wrong. And the individual said, I really don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's a dangerous place to be. So I want to ask you, 
Are you living under the authority of the Word? I want to show it to you through the lens of the longest psalm in the Bible. Can somebody tell me what chapter is the longest psalm of the Bible? Psalm what? 119. Take out your Bibles and let's go to Psalm 119. And can somebody tell me in Psalms 119, how many verses are there in Psalms 119? There's how many? You know, a hundred and what? A hundred and seventy-six verses in Psalms 119. But I want you to notice several things that are interesting about Psalms 119. Let's start with who wrote Psalms 119. Some people will say that David wrote Psalms 119. Some say that Ezekiel wrote Psalms 119. Some say Ezekiel wrote 119. Some say Jeremiah wrote Psalms 119. So may I ask you, in your personal humble opinion, who do you think wrote Psalms 119? God wrote it. That's a good answer. Psalms 119, we really don't exactly know who. But let me tell you about the person who wrote it. Number one, they are a saint and they love God. Number two, when this text of Scripture was written, this author of Psalms 119 was greatly suffering in their life. They were not at an easy time in their life. They were suffering at this time with the Jewish powership, power, and all of these things coming into this person's life. This author of Psalms 119 is greatly suffering. How do we know that? In 176 verses, how many times does it mention their suffering? Anybody want to take a guess? How many books are there in the Bible? 66. So remember this. 66 times in Psalms 119, this saint of God mentions the depths of the suffering that they are going through. Not only did it talk about suffering 66 times, but here's something interesting. How many verses is God mentioned in 176 verses? How many times is God mentioned in these 176 verses? Anybody want to take a guess? 176 times. God is mentioned in every single verse. So let me ask you this. How many times does the psalm, the psalmist who's writing this, how many times do they reference the Word of God? The author uses at least eight words, eight different words that describe the word, whether it's law, precepts, or whatever. How many verses is the Word of God mentioned in 176 verses? Anybody want to take a guess? 173 times, 173 verses, this author talks about the Word of God. Everybody look right here. Suffering, pain, difficulty. 
during that time, they did not just shake hands with the Word of God, push it away, but they embraced God's Word and they put themselves underneath the authority of God's Word. As a matter of fact, not only do we see that in this chapter, but I want you to look at Psalms 119 electronically or in your Scripture. Do you see that there are in sections? Look at Psalms 119. Do you see that this psalm is in sections? Can y'all see that? Okay. How many different sections are there in Psalms 119? Anybody want to take a guess? There are 22 sections of Psalms 119. How many verses are in each section? Eight verses. There are 22 sections, eight verses in each section. Well, let me ask you, y'all are going to become some Hebrew scholars. How many different letters are there in the Hebrew alphabet? 22. 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. How many vowels are there in the Hebrew alphabet? Zero. In the Hebrew alphabet, there are only consonants. There are no vowels. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So, there are eight verses in 22 sections. What does this writer do? Not so it will be stale or it will just kind of be routine, but the writer of the alphabet, I mean, the writer of this psalm takes the first letter, the Hebrew alphabet, writes the first eight verses, takes the second letter, and the second eight verses starts with that letter. The third, they go all the way through the Hebrew alphabet. Why? So it can be easily memorized and learned so that they can place themselves underneath the authority of God's Word. Here's a section we're going to look at, the second section. Look at verse number 9. Psalms 119, verse 9. This is the second section, and I'm going to ask you three questions today. Whose authority are you living under? And I think as you answer these three questions, you're going to realize quickly, am I living under the authority of God's Word, or I'm living under a different authority? Verse number 9. Are you with me? Are you with me? Amen. Here we go. Verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? How many of you did something really stupid when you were young? Did any of y'all make some unwise decisions when you were young? I'll never forget when I was in uh, college. I was at Carson Newman College, and, you know, we were kind of in the middle of, of nowhere, but there's a road, 11E, and it was a pretty straight road, and I guess it was 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I was in the car with uh, another preacher's kid, so there's two preacher's kids. His father was uh, the pastor, probably that leading church in that whole community. His name's Joe Emmert, and uh, we're in the car, and Joe said, hey, let's see how fast we can go on 11E tonight. So we go down 11E, about 120, 125 miles an hour, 
The speed limit is around 45 miles an hour, the, uh, sometimes 35 miles an hour, up to 55 miles an hour. And here are the two preacher's kids. Joe's dad is the main pastor in that area. And here's my dad, the main pastor in Chattanooga. Uh, what, I said, wouldn't this look good in the newspaper? The two leading pastor's kids got called, pulled over going 125 miles an hour. Now, what's some stupid you've done? How can we keep from doing sinful, crazy things? Well, look back at verse number nine. Look what it says. How can a young man cleanse his ways? Look at the next part. By what? By heeding. Right next to that word, heeding, will you write the word obedient? By heeding, by taking heed according to your word. Right next to that word, obedient, when I'm talking about obedience, I, here's the situation. We are either going to be obedient to the word of God and take heed of the word of God, or we're going to be a slave to our sin. We are going to be a slave to something. Are we going to be a slave and underneath the obedience of God's Word? Or are we going to be a slave in obedience to our sin? Right next to your scriptures there, I want you to write down Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 tells us that we are either going to be a slave to our flesh and, and we're going to be obedient to that, or are we going to be a slave under the authority of Almighty God and be obedient? Here it says, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By being obedient to your word. Now, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be a slave, and I'm going to follow God's word. I'm not going to change God's word to fit me, but by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, I'm asking God to change me to fit the word. Look at the very next verse, number 10. How does this happen? With my what? Whole heart. I have sought you. Write down two scriptures right next to this. Write down James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. James chapter 1, 5 through 8 tells us, if you lack wisdom, you need to ask. But as you ask, don't do it doubting. And at the end of that, it says, whatever you do, don't be double-minded. A double-minded person is what? Unstable in all of their ways. Do you know somebody in their life that they are unstable? One of the worst positions that you could be in is to be a double-minded person. And a double-minded person is trying to say, I want to live under God's authority, but I also want to live under my own authority. When you try to live under God's authority and your own authority, you're not doing with your whole heart, and you're going to be a double-minded person. The Scripture says, and you're going to be like the wave, and you're going to be tossed back and forth. 
You know why I think in so many of our churches we have so many people that are being tossed back and forth? Because they are not seeking God with their whole heart. And when you're not seeking God with your whole heart, you're going to be double-minded. Write this other scripture down from James. James chapter 4, verse 8. James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then it says, whatever you do, don't be double-minded in your life. Don't be half hearted with the authority of Almighty God. So if we're going to place ourselves today underneath the authority of God's Word, first of all, we've got to understand we do it with a whole heart. Look what it says in verse number 11. Verse 10, we heed it, obedience. Verse 9, verse 10, whole heart. Look at verse 11. What are we supposed to do with this? Your word I have what? Hidden. Internalized in my heart. Why do we need to live underneath the authority of God's word and hide it in our heart? What does the next phrase say to us? Your word I've hid in my heart that I may not what? Sin against thee. When we have the authority of God's Word in our life, and it is hidden in our heart, we're internalizing it, guess what? Our defense from the sin in the flesh is hiding God's Word in our heart and living underneath the authority of God's Word. So question number one, write this question down. Write this down. This is good. Number one, can the Bible change my mind? Can the Bible change my mind? Isaiah 64 verse 6 tells us that our goodness compared to God is like what? Filthy rags. When you really look at the terminology, Isaiah 46 verse 6, when you look at that, our goodness and the best of our thoughts and the best of our goodness is as filthy rags to God. So we don't need to come and say, God, I'm smart enough, intelligent enough. I've got this figured out. You know what 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says? 1 John 5, 12 says, if you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have what? Life. So I... I want you, everybody, right here, look at me. When you live under the authority of God's Word, you live in the place where the Bible can change your mind. That means when you're in Daytona Beach, remember I say nobody knows how to drive in Daytona Beach. I, this is about the worst driving in America. I love you, but on ISB, every time I go up and down, it seems like there's a wreck. There's, I mean, it's just craziness. The next time somebody cuts you off in the construction zone, can God change your mind with the words that come out of your mouth? 
Are we going to let God's Word change the words that we say to our spouse? If you're living under the authority of God's Word, God's Word can change your mind. Second question I want you to put is this. Can God's Word melt your heart? One of the ways that you know that you're living underneath the authority of the Word of God and God is central to your life, that when God's Word is read When you read God's Word, it is spoken that God's Word melts your heart. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, And let all bitterness, let all malice, let all envy, put off all of those things. When you hear the Scripture says, you need to forgive because you were forgiven. When you read in the Scripture that you've got to forgive because you were forgiven, does that melt your heart to forgive the person that has done you wrong? As a matter of fact, as Christ followers living underneath the authority of God, do we have the right to not forgive somebody? Yes or no? No. Even if somebody has done us wrong, it doesn't matter how much they've done us wrong, but the authority of God's Word says, because you have been forgiven, you must forgive them. But Pastor Eric, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how bad they've wounded me. I'll never forgive them. Well, you got an issue your issues with this authority right here. Pastor, there's no way I can love my neighbor. I mean, my neighbors, I mean, do you know who they are, Pastor? God's Word just doesn't say, love your neighbor if they're kind to you. The Bible says, love your enemy." If you're placing yourself under the authority of God's Word, is the Bible changing your mind? Is it melting your heart? Here's the third question, and I'm done. Can the Bible change your direction? Let's go back and let's look at verse number 12. Psalms 119, verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Lord God, teach me your statutes. Can the Bible change your direction? One of the ways that the Bible changes our direction, we pray, God, teach me your statutes. Teach me your word so I can follow it. 
Look at verse 13, what this suffering saint of God says. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Lord, I so desire your word to give me direction that it is more than all riches. Turn over in the same chapter, look at verse 72. Look at Psalms 119, verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than 10,000 coins of gold and silver. I mean, it's better than the new car dealership in Orlando where you can buy your car online and they send you a coin. Did y'all see that? It sits right off the interstate and, and it's, it's a car vending machine. You get a coin, you buy the car, you get a coin, and you, point, you put your coin into this machine, and whatever floor your car is on that you bought, it moves it down to a vending machine and delivers the car to you. Do they not? Next time you're in Orlando, just look at it. You'll see it just sitting there, all the cars stacked up. Hold on. Is God's word and God's direction worth more than a coin to a car? Look what it goes on to say. Look at verse 127. Look at Psalms 127. Look what this suffering saying. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. Somebody asks you a question. Are you willing to embrace God's word enough that it is the direction of your life and not the direction of your own desire? Illustration time. Simply this. You ready? Very simple. Here's what I'm asking you. Are you going to live under God's authority of his word? Don't miss this. A single one of you. When you live underneath the authority of his word, you live underneath his protection. When you live under the authority of his word, you're living under his blessing. When you live under the authority of his word, you're living to worship him. Are you going to live and pray Holy Spirit of God, empower me to live under your authority of your word. Or, 
Lord, I'm going to live under my own authority. Oh, Lord, I can do this. Well, how's it work so far? As we end the month of June on the Word, go back to verse number 9. How can a young man stay pure? By doing what? Look back at verse 9. What does it say? How can a young man cleanse his ways? By what? By living under the authority of the Word. So may I ask you, whose authority are you living under? In just a moment, we're going to have the invitation. The invitation is going to lead us in a time to get ready to prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper. I don't want anybody to move. Just a second. You're about to make a decision. Every one of us in this room is going to make a decision. Are you going to live underneath the authority of the Word? Or are you going to live under a different authority? Today, here's the invitation. Make a commitment. I am going to live under the authority of the Word. That means, men, if you're married, love the current spouse that you're loved to with the same love that Christ loved the church. When we live under His authority, love your neighbor as yourself. When you live under His authority, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love is not self-absorbed. So First Baptist, use an individual. You're going to make a choice today. God's authority or another authority. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, it is so evident that this suffering saint was placing themselves under the authority of your word. Lord, this suffering saint, they were just not shaking hands with the word, but they were embracing it. Lord, I pray this day as every one of us in this room and everybody watching online, they are going to make a decision.
to live under the authority of your word or to live under another authority. God, I pray over this room that, God, we will submit, we will surrender, we will deny ourselves, we will no longer live, and we will say, we place ourselves under the authority of God's Word. And Lord, what you tell me about my family is how I'm going to live. What you tell me about my resources is what I'm going to do. What you tell me about my language is what my language is going to look like. Lord, what you tell me about my worth ethic, I'm going to do. Because Lord, I'm placing myself under your authority of your word. Lord, I pray that we'll realize that is the will of God for us, that you are our authority. Just right now, I'm going to give you just a moment. I want you to truly ask Who or what is your authority? In just a second, we're going to stand. Pastor Ken's going to lead us. The pastors are going to be down front. Some of you, the moment we stand, you need to come to this altar and say, God, I have moved from away from underneath your authority. I've been my own authority. Some of you, you, I'm telling you, you need to come as a family and place your family back underneath the authority. Some of you need to come and bring your work back underneath the authority. Some of you need to come back and bring those desires back underneath the authority. Some of you, if you've never accepted Christ, man, the pastors are down front. You come and be saved. Some of you have been visiting. Come join. Be a part of First Baptist. Lord God, I pray over this room that we will come underneath the authority of Almighty God. In Christ's name.